Welcome, dear listeners, to the second episode of MostRocks.com, a media project focused on publishing curated audio summaries of investment letters, reports and interviews by well-renowned investors and asset managers. In our second episode, we will be featuring the summaries of third quarter 2023 quarterly letters by four fund managers. Muran Capital Management, Kareen Capital, Black Bear Value Partners, and Vultava Fund. Before we begin, a quick disclaimer. None of our MostRocks.com summaries or materials is an investment, legal or financial advice, and none of it is a recommendation for purchasing any securities. If you would like us to summarize and record your favorite investment letter or investment call or interview, please reach out to us via our Twitter X handle at twitter.com slash mostrocksweekly. And now let's jump straight to our first quarterly letter audio summary in this episode. Third quarter 2023. Quarterly letter by Moran Capital Management. Published on October 30th, 2023. Short summary of the quarterly letter. Moran Capital Management's third quarter 2023 letter reiterates its often recited focus of underwriting the so-called three-year doubles. The fund manager expresses confidence that right now the entire portfolio meets or exceeds this self-imposed benchmark. The fund manager reiterates that it continues to own the same core handful of positions discussed in its past quarterly letters. The quarterly letter also provides an update on the investment in Claris Corporation ticker, CLAR, as well as the fund's investment in Vistry Group, ticker, VTY listed on the London Stock Exchange. In addition, the quarterly letter provides a very short update on Correios de Portugal, ticker, CTT listed on the Lisbon Stock Exchange. Finally, the fund manager reveals that the fund has recently invested in a few additional non-disclosed positions. One of such new positions includes a special situation. That special situation might have a catalyst in the next six months that could lead to upside of 50 to 100% and has a limited downside. First company featured in Moran Capital's quarterly letter, Claris Corporation ticker, CLAR. Claris Corp recently received a $160 million offer for its ammunition and bullet business segment from its chairman, Mr. Warren Canders. This situation requires a thoughtful approach to assessing the conflict of interests. On the other hand, this transaction could lift the ESG overhang that accompanies businesses of this type. In addition, it could bring the company to a net cash position and highlight the extremely cheap valuation of the remaining segments. Claris Corp has a market capitalization of $210 million. The company is expected to have around $105 million net debt by the end of the year, if the sale of the ammunition and bullet segment does not materialize. However, if the sale goes through, Claris would then have around $55 million net cash. That would equate to roughly 25% of the market capitalization and the enterprise value of $155 million. The fund manager notes that once in a while, investors and analysts have the habit of emphasizing recent results, whether good or bad. Similarly, the market has a tendency to exaggerate the negativity around a company. The fund manager notes that the market might underappreciate the normalized margins for the remaining businesses of Claris. The market also seems to erroneously extrapolate weak consumer sentiment far into the future. Instead, the fund manager is of the view that it is important to evaluate normalized profits for the remaining divisions of Claris. To do that, one should analyze similar companies and scrutinize their average margins. In this connection, the fund manager notes that it is likely that Black Diamond could achieve double-digit EBITDA margins at mid-cycle profitability, with normalized margins of 10%. The fund manager insists that thanks to its brand, category leadership and product range, the company should be able to generate 10% average mid-cycle margins. Estimating that Black Diamond could achieve this double-digit EBITDA margin on $225 to $250 million of sales in the next few years, the Black Diamond division would generate approximately $25 million of EBITDA. Likewise, with almost 20% margin on approximately $100 million of sales, it's plausible that Rhino Rack division could potentially produce $18 to $20 million of EBITDA. Subtracting cash corporate expenses, Claris could potentially generate nearly $40 million of EBITDA. 
Based on the fund manager's assessment, this indicates that the stock is valued at less than four times normalized EBITDA and below 0.5x sales, which is clearly way too low. The fund manager chooses another alternative approach to value the company. Rather than using an inside view to come up with a valuation, the fund manager relies on the value of similar transactions in the outdoor industry. Since 2010, the average similar transaction in the outdoor industry occurred over two times revenue. Using this multiple black diamond equipment and rhino rack divisions could receive more than $450 million and about $200 million respectively. Adding the $55 million of projected net cash, which the company should possess after the potential sale of the ammunition and bullet business segment, the company could be valued at over $700 million. If Claris remaining divisions are just valued at the industry's average transaction valuation, Claris value could be $19 per share. This would be more than three times the current stock price. If the company's divisions are valued at the lowest revenue multiplier paid, Claris could be valued at 14 times per share. That is more than double the present stock price. The fund manager carries on valuing the company based on reverse engineering the assumptions of the market. Notably, the fund manager is asking what is implied for the company at a $155 million pro forma enterprise value. If one estimates the value using the average revenue multiplier from similar historic transactions, the current market valuation suggests that Claris sales would be just $74 million. This is a massive disconnect to the actual revenues of over $300 million. In addition, the fund manager questions what the overall market valuation implies about the value of the remaining divisions. The manager makes several simulations of valuing its remaining divisions and it arrives at the conclusion that they make no economic sense. In all scenarios, both Black Diamond and Rhino Rack and Max Tracks, which was recently purchased for over $200 million, will be priced at absurdly low valuations. The fund manager recalls that Claris has a history of strategic share buybacks, buying back 10% of the company below $6 per share in 2015 to 2016 and tendering for stock at $8 in 2018. If Claris enters 2024 with around 25% of its market capitalization in cash, Claris is likely to resume buybacks. The fund manager also notes that the company's ongoing lawsuit against HAP trading also represents potential significant gains related to Claris' current valuation. Overall, the fund manager suggests that the average historical comparable valuation indicates that the investment in the company can yield a triple in the stock price. If Claris grows Black Diamond revenue to $300 million and Rhino Rack Division revenue to $150 million over the next three to five years, in the fund manager's view, the upside in the stock price is into the high 20s per share or low 30s per share. Finally, while no one wants to think about real upside scenarios, Claris' medium-term targets for Black Diamond and Rhino Rack are revenues of $400 million and $200 to $300 million, respectively. If Claris achieves these targets, the fund manager concludes Claris could reach valuations in the $40 per share and beyond. Second company covered in Moran Capital's quarterly letter, Vistry Group. PLC ticker. VTY listed on the London Stock Exchange. Vistry Group PLC unveiled its first half results and disclosed a new business strategy during the quarter. The company declared plans to convert itself into an exclusively partnerships-based operation. This transformation aligns with the goals of its activist investors. The fund manager highlights that nearly 1.3 billion British pounds are likely to be reallocated and used to eliminate debt and for stock buybacks and dividends. According to its future projections, Bistry aims to achieve an adjusted operating profit of 450 million British pounds in 2023 and escalating to 800 million pounds in the medium term. The fund manager contrasts these projections with Vistry's market capitalization of around 2.4 billion British pounds and enterprise value of around 2.7 billion pounds. If over the next three to five years, Vistry managed to repurchase up to 25% of its shares, double the operating profit, and completely pay off its debt, it would have a positive impact on the stock's price. In terms of the valuation, the fund manager notes that the company could reach an 8 billion British pounds market capitalization, representing 10 times its operating profit of 800 million.
the 10 times multiple could be considered modest given the quality of its business. In addition, similar transactions have occurred at 11 to 13 times the operating profit. Under these projections and with 260 million outstanding shares, the company's share price could rise to 31 pounds. This would be over four times the current market price. Third company featured in Moran Capital's quarterly letter, Correios de Portugal, ticker, CTT listed on the Lisbon Stock Exchange. Correios de Portugal, popularly known as CTT, recently won a legal arbitration against the government of Portugal where it was awarded roughly 25 million euros. This amount equates to nearly 6% of the company's total market cap. The fund manager believes that this extra capital will greatly enhance the company's share buyback program. CTT can now apply the newly awarded funds from the arbitration to more buybacks. In terms of the valuation, the portfolio manager believes that the enterprise value of CTT is virtually zero if one factors in the value of its bank and the surplus real estate the company owns. And now let's jump straight to our second quarterly letter audio summary in this episode. Third quarter 2023, quarterly letter by Korean Capital. Published on October 16, 2023. Short summary of the quarterly letter. Korean Capital released a very short quarterly letter with concise comments on its current positions. Cash accounted for 40% of the fund at the end of the quarter. Korean Capital disclosed that it bought a 2% position in advance auto parts, paying $55.04 per share. In addition, the fund manager bought a 3% position in Link Administration Holdings Limited. Ticker LNK listed in Australia, paying 1.42 Australian dollars per share. In addition, the fund manager has added to its position in Nylorn Gruppen. A. B. It has a 2% position, paying 54.4 Swedish crowns per share. According to the fund manager, all three of these three businesses are ugly ducklings. Ugly ducklings is the reference the fund manager uses to refer to high-quality businesses, temporarily out of favor in the stock market. Based on Korean Capital's analysis of inverted yield curves, the fund manager became very cautious after the yield curve inverted in August 2022. For the fund manager, this has meant raising the bar for future stock purchases. The quarterly letter emphasizes that currently, the fund is patiently sitting on 40% cash position, while methodically deploying small amounts into excellent opportunities. And now let's jump straight to our third quarterly letter audio summary. Third quarter 2023. Quarterly letter by Black Bear Value Partners. Published on October 6, 2023. Short summary of the quarterly letter. Black Bear Value Partners quarterly letter focuses on five positions. Asbury Automotive Group, an auto dealership operator. Builders First Source, a manufacturer and supplier of building materials. Consol Energy and Paramount Resources Limited, coal energy companies. And lastly, Warrior Met Coal, a producer and exporter of premium Met Coal. First company featured in the quarterly letter, Asbury Automotive Group, ticker, ABG. Asbury Automotive Group recently agreed to acquire the Jim Coons Automotive Companies and the largest auto retail acquisition since 2021. While the deal may require some leverage, Asbury's history with successful integrations and non-leveraged operations ensures its potential. This acquisition could increase the free cash flow per share by $5, which would mean a 13 to 17% range annual yield dependent on the quarter end pricing. Despite car sales getting a lot of attention, over half of Asbury's profit stems from parts and services. Car dealerships have been seeing high margins from new and used car sales due to vehicle scarcity, resulting in high profits per car. Eventually, as the vehicle inventory normalizes and interest rates rise, the profits per sale will likely decrease. However, Black Bear Value Partners anticipates that this will be offset by an increase in sales volume, especially for used cars. Auto dealerships, like Asbury Automotive Group, benefit from selling cars to consumers directly as this strengthens the relationship for parts and services, which is the backbone of Asbury's profitability. 
The industry is highly fragmented with many dealerships being privately owned. Large dealership groups, including Asbury, are also transitioning to an omnichannel business model that allows customers to conduct much of the buying process online. This leads to reduced staffing requirements and smoother transactions for customers. Despite the market's lack of appreciation for these lower operating costs, these factors are noteworthy. Asbury Automotive Group has been reinvesting its free cash flow by purchasing a significant amount of stock. Second company featured in the Black Bear Value Partners letter. Builder's first source. Ticker. BLDR. Builder's first source incorporated, which primarily produces and supplies materials for home construction, has historically operated in a cyclical manner, mostly selling basic housing materials like lumber. However, post the global financial crisis, it pivoted towards offering higher value-add products, which now constitute over 40% of its total sales. Due to this and the company's prudent use of leverage, it has managed to buy back more than a third of its shares in the past year and a half, largely utilizing the cash generated by its operations. Although current mortgage rates are on the high end, this is typical in a historical context. The rock-bottom rates seen over the past decade are rather the exception. The demand for housing in the U.S. remains high, whilst there is a shortage of housing. With existing homeowners locked into low-rate mortgages, the aspiring homeowner may increasingly need to find a home from a home builder. The next 6 to 12 months could be rocky as people adjust to the increase in pricing and rates. Eventually, the housing market should adjust to the new normal, or rates could go down. As the company scaled up its operations, it noticed a steady increase in gross profit margins. The company should be able to generate an annual free cash flow per share of between $13 to $17. With the stock of builders first source currently trading at approximately $124 per share, this implies a free cash flow yield of 10 to 14%. Third company featured in the Black Bear Value Partners letter, Paramount Resources Limited. Ticker. POU. Paramount Resources focuses on energy exploration and production. One of its significant advantages is its lack of debt and a strong balance sheet with cash slash securities that equate to approximately 14% of its market capitalization. Moreover, shareholders' interests are well aligned with the management, who are also prominent stakeholders owning about 47% of the company. Black Bear Value Partners anticipates that, under rather pessimistic energy price expectations, the company should yield around 9-10% to in annual free cash flow over the next two years. However, that would be quite a conservative estimate and the reality could likely be higher as the global energy infrastructure deficit becomes increasingly evident with China's economic renaissance. Fourth company covered in the Black Bear Value Partners letter. Consol Energy. Ticker. CEIX. Consol Energy is a U.S.-based coal-focused energy business that represents a notable investment by Black Bear Value Partners within the energy and commodity sectors. The fund manager observes that there is an immediate and mid-term global demand for energy and commodity resources that is not being met adequately. This situation will still hold in the future as we seek to transition to a more sustainable, lower-carbon economy. Once predominantly engaged in coal production for domestic power consumption, Consol Energy has successfully transitioned to a model mainly based on coal export for non-power generation purposes. Throughout recent years, Consol Energy has commendably reduced its debt level to an almost zero net debt position. Currently, the company is trading at more than 25% unlevered free cash flow. Despite the negative connotations associated with coal, and justifiably so in some instances, there are regions in the world with limited energy alternatives. These regions will continue to require coal supply in the foreseeable future. Consol Energy will continue to allocate a significant portion of its free cash flow towards buybacks. This action will likely lead to substantial growth in the company's intrinsic value per share in the coming three years. Fifth and last company covered in the Black Bear Value Partners letter, Warrior Met Coal, ticker, HCC. Warrior Met Coal Incorporated primarily manufactures metallurgical coal, an essential component used for steel production. 
The firm primarily exports its products, 97% of which is exported, and has a competitive advantage due to shorter delivery periods to Europe and South America compared to its competitors from Australia. Based on some basic calculations, given its end quarter price of $49 and a market capitalization of approximately $2.6 billion with no net debt, Black Bear Value Partners quarterly letter provides the following estimate of the company's intrinsic value. First, Warrior Metcoal is working on a project which is projected to be operational in about three years and is assessed by the management to be worth about $19 per share or around $1 billion. Against this background, Black Bear Value Partners applies a conservative discount rate and operating cash flow and arrives at a range of $300 to $500 million, equivalent to $6 to $9 per share. Second, Warrior Met Coal has an additional $5 per share for surplus cash on its balance sheet. Third, Warrior Met Coal's existing operations demand $100 million in capital expenditure and yield an operation cash flow of around $500 million at mid-cycle. This translates to approximately $8 in free cash flows per share. Some analysts estimate this figure could be closer to $800 to $900 million annually. Against this background, Black Bear Value Partners assumes a subdued free cash flow yield of 15 to 20% on $500 million and arrives at a range of $40 to $53 per share. Adding these figures, the intrinsic value of Warrior Metcoal can roughly be estimated as follows. $6 to $9 for a new project, plus $5 in excess cash, plus $40 to $53 for operating business. Altogether that could be equal to $51 to $67 per share of Warrior Metcoal. This valuation range seems to give a safety margin against the current market price of $49 per share. The quarterly letter notes that Warrior Metcoal has until now abstained from share buyback programs to utilize its net operating losses without instigating a change in control. However, Warrior is expected to get more aggressive in buyback initiatives within the next 12 months as they exhaust their net operating losses. In the fund manager's view, this could lead to a significant climb in their per share intrinsic value. And now let's jump straight to our fourth and last summary of the quarterly letter in this episode. Third quarter 2023. Quarterly letter by Vultava Fund. Published on October 4, 2023. Short summary of the quarterly letter. Vultava Fund's quarterly letter is entitled Return and Risk and describes the fund manager's investment philosophy regarding investment risk. In addition, the letter briefly mentions some key portfolio changes. Notably, the fund manager sold shares of Fortria Holdings and Willis Towers Watson. In addition, the fund has established a new position in the U.S. health insurer Elevance Health. First company featured in the quarterly letter. Sold position in Fortria Holdings. Ticker. FTRE. Fortria Holdings was created when a section of LabCorp was spun off into its own entity. Effective from July 1, 2023, LabCorp stockholders received an equal share of Fortria for each share of LabCorp they held as part of this spinoff. Despite this, the fund manager's conviction in Fortria Holdings was low due to the considerable debt it carried from its inception, causing a heavy financial toll and limiting management's strategic options concerning profit utilization. As a result, the fund quickly sold the shares after Fortria began trading independently and channeled the funds into buying more Stellantis NV stock. The timing was perfect as Stellantis shortly thereafter posted impressive half-year results. Second company featured in the Vultava Funds letter. Sold position in Willis Towers Watson PLC ticker. WTW. The fund has sold Willis Towers shares, which were part of the portfolio for about two years. The returns from these shares during this period were around 10%, slightly beating the average U.S. market returns. Initially, the fund manager assessed this stock more positively anticipating better business performance. However, the initial perceptions as to the quality of this business were more positive than what has gradually become apparent in reality. This led to the decision to sell off Willis Towers. Third and last company featured in the Vultava Funds letter, Elevance Health, ticker, ELV. 
Elevance Health is newly added to the portfolio. It is a well-known entity given its experience of investing in the healthcare insurance sector, having owned shares of Humana, another insurer, since 2009. The industry has consistently proven to generate profits and favors big players like Elevance Health and Humana. Despite the unique risks associated with each firm, the fund has chosen to diversify investments in the sector with this new acquisition. Elevance Health has a distinctive advantage due to its exclusive right to the Blue Cross Blue Shield brand in 14 U.S. regions, boasting revenues of $165 billion, which makes it the biggest health insurer in the U.S. It offers insurance to a third of the citizens in its operational areas. This large consumer base gives Elevance Health two competitive edges, cost reduction, and an expansive network. The company operates in a non-cyclical sector, whose development and growth are barely linked with the typical business cycle. This brings us to the end of the second episode of our audiocast. Thank you for listening to our first episode of MostRocks.com VoiceCast. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and on Twitter x via the handle twitter.com slash mostrocksweekly. MostRocks.com is a media project focused on publishing curated audio summaries of investment letters, reports, and interviews by well-renowned investors and asset managers. We strive to deliver value to our subscribers and most processes are done manually with diligence and attention to detail. However, we cannot guarantee that our summaries and excerpts are 100% accurate complete. The readers are always recommended to refer to the original sources. None of MostRocks.com summaries or materials is an investment, legal or financial advice, and none of it is a recommendation for purchasing any securities.